so many sequels. I'm Josh. I'm Garrett. And I'm David. Uh, today on the show, we are going to wrap up rom-com month, February rom-com month. Uh, it's coming oh to an end. Oh my God. Uh, I would love so it so much. much. Once February ends, it's just romance is dead and we move on to some other things, I guess. I think I've done this terrible heart for all our video audiences every month, every every episode and I can't get it right anytime. So yeah. I, hope, mm. I hope that they enjoyed my failures all four tries. There's a good one. That's, that's, okay. that's a pointy heart. We've been doing rom-coms all month. If you've missed any of them, go check those out. So many sequels.com. We got our links there as well as links to all our social channels where you should follow us. And of course, if you uh, have been enjoying the show, it'd be really cool if you supported us on Patreon. Yeah. yeah. So many sequels.com. Patreon.com slash so many sequels. Got some cool stuff there for you. If you could uh, throw a buck or two or four our way, that would be pretty cool. We would like that and we'll try to make it fun for you too. Your help makes this podcast better. Yeah. It doesn't really go into our pockets per se. We're trying to make a, the best show we can. So. Patreon.com slash show sequels. Sign up there. That would be really awesome. Back to today's business. We're doing our final rom-com of the month, which is my pick. I love you, man. I love you, man. Came out in 2009. It stars Paul Rudd and Jason Siegel. So this is a twist on the rom-com. It is a rom-com, romantic comedy, so to speak. But there is still an actual romance going on in there as well. So it's not just totally off the chain. But in this movie, we see Paul Rudd, who is getting ready to get married to his fiancée, played by Rashida Jones. But he doesn't have any friends. He just hangs out with his wife's friends, and he doesn't have any friends of his own, and it makes it weird for him. So he sets out to meet a friend. Hilarity ensues. He meets Jason Siegel, who is a wild character, and the, the bromance forms. So I picked this movie because it's different. I wanted to throw out something a little different than the traditional rom-com. I like that this one has like a focus on male friendship. That's always fun because there's a lot of that. There's a lot of awkwardness that can be at play in male friendships, I think, particularly in the beginning when everyone, because men are awkward and weird. And I can say that because we're all men. That is one thing we have in common. So I wanted to throw out something different. So that's why I picked it. What did, what did everybody think of it? You know, I thought it was a really uh, fun idea as it played out. I looked at various rom-coms over the month who knows what order they came out in this was a, a fun sort of twist a play on the genre very much as intent it follows a lot of the same tropes of a romantic comedy but it's not about romance really and i think it's an interesting discussion much like when we talked about what if and we kind of got into the the psychology and sociology of the can a guy and a girl just be friends there's a lot you could say about male friendship that doesn't really get discussed in you know, popular conversation very much. In addition to that, I think it was just a fun movie in general. I think there was a lot to enjoy. I'm, I'm going to be honest, but there are some actors out there who are assassins or uh, comedians who are assassins. They just come in, they hit their mark, and they disappear into the night. For me, one of those assassins is Thomas Lennon. Just yeah. every time that speaks, it's hilarious. You have upset me and hurt my heart while I'm dying. Like, it's just... I could listen to Thomas Lennon be heartbroken all day because it's just the most hilarious thing ever. I will definitely circle back around to talking about Thomas Lennon because he was a breath of fresh air for me. But this movie is also like a time capsule of like people before they not really not all. Some of them were popular when this movie came out. There's a lot of people in here that this was like one of the first things people saw them in, including like Rashida Jones. 
So there's a real neat, oh man, look who that is. Look at there, look here. Like feeling about this movie. So yeah, Aziz shows like, up in there for a second. You've got a bunch of comedians. They, and honestly, I felt like rewatching this was my, I don't want to say a reintroduction to Paul Rudd, but like the first foray is Paul Rudd is a leading man. He's always, for me before this, he was always just an incredibly solid, like side character. He had clueless, but then he faded away and then he pops up in friends. Then he faded away and then he shows up as side pieces. It's always really funny, but this really, I feel like for me anyway, reestablished Paul Rudd as like the main lead. And it again, showcased Jason Siegel in a way that is, is super funny of this time period. We, I wish that Jason Siegel was still around because he is just incredibly funny. And yeah, every time Paul Rudd spirals into a bumbling confusion of he doesn't know what to say is quite hilarious. And while this isn't a traditional rom-com, I do think that it does also, again, like David mentioned, tell an interesting story of how a lot of times couples can lose their own self-identity because they do feel like they have to be with their significant other all the time. I'm saying this is a single person, but from what I have seen, there's always this line of, especially with men, where when they get older, they don't have as many friends. I feel like there have been several studies lately that have shown like male friendships don't expand past a certain age and they lose that identity and, and they don't have that outlet for themselves sometimes, men and women. They both need to have their individuality and then be able to come back. And I think this tells a good story of that in addition to just making male friends, but how a lack of a male friendship can impact your relationship. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, we see that happen early on when I gotta make some fucking friends, I think is the quote. Yeah. Because he's just not doing anything he likes. He's doing everything. And then that works for a while. But, you know, exactly. He hits a point where he's, man, I got to get some friends. And he finds a guy he can go do stupid guy stuff with. A lot of it unmentionable, apparently. I don't know what kind of friendship they had. But Sidney was a very open book kind of guy with his man cave and his doesn't give a damn attitude. One of my favorite just visuals is them walking down the boardwalk and Sydney is wearing Ugg boots, like Hawaiian shorts and a button up plaid shirt. That says it all right there. Right there. Jason Siegel's character of Sydney is like an aggressively single person. Like he's like, he has, there, there's no, there's no girl in his life or person in his life. And he's like, not even, not really even care to try uh, he took to, over the barney stinson role in this yeah. movie yeah mixed with a little bit of uh who's like a slob so it's interesting because paul rudd and jason siegel really do seem like they would be best friends like they just have we say great chemistry all the time but it does feel like you look at them they look like they would get along just great and and the movie works really well when it's the two of them together this is the third time in a row they would end up working together I think this was the middle movie between Forgetting Sarah Marshall and something else, Knocked Up maybe. This is like the third time they would be in mov a movie together. And they just have that great feel to them. And this is probably one of the few times that I'm like, they could have done more. I was expecting it to be a little bit more like gross and a little bit more like juvenile at times. But they didn't really get that juvenile. Other than the, the vomiting on John Favreau, it didn't really get that bad. He deserved it, though. You know, I tell you what, though, John Favreau watching him in this movie, he's obviously like the asshole, and mm. it's clear. But there are times where I'm like, oh yeah, I get it. 
I, I get it, John. I'm with, like, when he's like, when they're like, it's Paul, and he's like, I don't know who that is. And so, like, you met him 20 times. Like, I have no idea who that is. I've never met that person. <laughs> I feel like, that, yeah. I've been there. I, I have met people many times that I have, like, immediately deleted after I have uh, even introduced to them. And, uh, yeah, so, I, and when he's, like, standing there, not, like, just actively not paying attention to Paul, and he's like, play piano. No, I'll play piano. You have a piano in your home, though. And he's like, decorator, put it there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, John Favreau's character is couldn't be more clear that he does not have any interest in being Peter's friend. Peter should stop trying. This friend search that you're on does not include me. No, I do Please not make you a friend. So that was pretty funny. That was pretty mm -hmm. funny. John Favreau is always a pleasant surprise. You mentioned Tom Lennon, always hilarious. Yeah, he executes his part in this wonderfully. And I really, again, I like that they take the typical tropes of a rom-com and throw it into this rom-com situation of all the multiple montage little dates that he's going on. At one point in time, he gets catfished by a person he's really excited to meet, and it turns out to be Melvin or however, yeah. an older man that is just like, oh, the picture was taken a couple of years ago like, or whatever. You feel bad for Peter, Paul Rudd, who's like trying to genuinely meet a nice, like a young friend and appear his age. Don't you feel a little bit sad for the old guy? Like he's also just, he's just looking for any level of social interaction. You almost want Peter to be like, oh, go ahead, just hang out with him anyway. Yeah. He's clearly, I would, clearly desperate for any attention. He, yeah, I would have hung out with Olden Olden there. Seemed like a nice guy. So but, glad he ended up at the bachelor party. But, the, uh, uh, yeah. Room party. Yeah, I, I also appreciated the whole Luke Ferrigno angle. It was quite entertaining just to see him there. He doesn't physically act much anymore, so it's, he's always a pleasant surprise because he can be really, especially in a situation like this. Like, it makes sense to have him here. Like, Mike Tyson in The Hangover, just this over-the-top situation, somehow makes sense in this weird world that they've created. I've actually met Luke Ferrigno, and it was a pretty exciting experience. He shook my hand, and it felt like shaking the hand of a large boulder. Did it wrap around like your? your it was like I shook hand. his hand, and like his whole hand was. It was like, like I, I was like, oh, and I, and he said he looked at me, he went, I was doing, and I was like, I was like, he said you look good, and then he left. You like, looking good. The second that I made eye contact with him, and he said, "How you doing?" My armpits went like sweat. It was the most intimidating and exciting uh, moment. And that was when I worked in radio, so it wasn't like a uh, con or anything. He like came in to do an interview. It was pretty cool. And so it was cool to see him again here, my good friend, Lou Ferrigno. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> friend of the podcast, Lou Ferrigno. Friend of the podcast. Exactly. exactly. You could literally pull up the cast list and just go down. J.K. Simmons, hilarious in this. Andy Samberg, Jamie Presley. Like, they, everybody in this is just as solid as they could be, you know? Especially for the time frame. And a lot of those people, this is their... Like Andy Samberg is big and J.K. Simmons is recognizable. Like it's a good time for this cast as well. Mm -hmm. This what, 2009? Yep. Yeah. I'm looking through the cast list now and some of the ones we missed. You got some, you got Jane Curtin. She's a mm -hmm. legend. Mm -hmm. You got Nick Kroll. Nick was Kroll. in there. You got yep. Joe Latruglio, who would go yep. on to star in Brooklyn Nine-Nine with Andy Samberg. Right. And then I didn't even notice this. But the cast list says that the wedding band was okay go. Yeah, I missed that too. Wow. David Crumholz. Bernard himself. Uh, one of the guys who was Sydney's friends was also one of the IT techs in the office. I don't I know he's probably done a bunch of other things too, but I just remember him as being the really tall IT tech who was like 
like flipped everybody off. There's so many like quotable moments from this. Are there any that stand out? Like uh, for me, the one that stands out the most is Totes uh, uh, Magos is one that I have always said since this movie. Just, I wonder if this so movie was the origin of Totes. Outlandish. I believe that it was. I'd never heard it before. I'm not guaranteeing anything, but I, this is the first time I heard it. But there were so many more that popped up that I had forgotten about. So I didn't know there were any that you all obviously that stood out. We would be remiss to not mention Slap at a Base. You gotta say Slap at a Base. That's like the biggest yeah. one from the movie. But then like one of my low-key favorites is later on the Minjay. Makes no sense. Uh, Can I just say? Later's on the Minjay. <laughs> he called I mean, it Joe. <laughs> yeah, Joe. Like, like I said, so the movie was funny. It, I didn't find it to be crack up funny all the time. It was very, it had a very subtle humor a lot. I laughed a lot when it was Tom Lennon and him and they were like, Chi-Town, Windy City and all that. And then when he comes back in and he's given that little monologue about, it takes a special kind of person to go out and not call. And then he, he go and I was like, ah, he left. And then he's gone for maybe a minute and 10 seconds. And then Thomas Lennon, one more time with a drive-by, you're a whore, Peter. It's, yeah, yeah. Set in there. And I just laughed out loud at <laughs> two in the morning. Just, you're a whore, Peter. <laughs> That with me was so funny. I don't know if it's a quotable moment, but they have a little bro back and forth with bro Montana. Yeah. Uh, bro, Broseph Goebbels. It's not a, that, that one's got a great one. I was, I laughed at that one just because That's, that one was the, whoa. <laughs> yeah. That one's rough. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of great, a lot of great catchphrases in this movie. Do you, do we want to talk about at this point, the, the subject matter of uh, male friendship as adults? How hard it would be right now, go out and make a new male adult friend who's your age right now. How difficult that feels like it would be. Don't even want to. I don't even want to. (laughs) I know what you mean. I know. (laughs) I knew you would. I was not uh, a sociology major, but I remember taking intro to sociology. And one of the few things I remembered was we they talked about gender norms in, in relationships. And one thing that they established or that a report, a study established was that women establish friendships through similar interests and through previous relationships. So if a girl is a friend of a friend and you, it's easier to develop that friendship and stay friends. And there's constant communication, whereas men establish friendships through activities. And once those activities start to go away, the friendship becomes harder for the two men to maintain. Um, very similar anecdotally, we can talk to that a little bit because Josh and I, we met doing theater in college, Garrett, you and I met doing radio in college and Josh and Garrett likewise. And we met a lot of other men in those, when we were in those, uh, activities and the friendships with some of them have gotten harder to maintain over time. We've managed to keep ourselves together through this podcast. That's our regular activity. That's helped them keep our friendships together. And if we stop doing it, who's, I don't know, who's to say how, how we would have a harder time is what the study suggests. Nah, but that's the difficulty. And that's why it's so hard for Paul Rudd in this situation. Cause you can't just walk up to a guy and go, Hey, we'll be friends. Just weird. That guy, the other guy be like, no. And imagine somebody walking up to you and saying, Hey, you want to be friends? Nope. No, I'm, I'm, I'm really not. I'm good it's it's strange what do you guys think 
I think it's just that way in general for, I think a lot of adults meeting new people outside of a work setting is just difficult for a lot of people, especially with, we've been in a pandemic for two years and a lot of people who are just getting back into social life with strangers, people are out of practice in some way, shape or form. It feels like even if they have been close and, and not necessarily following as, as many guidelines as we had. But I, I still feel like it is just really difficult, especially now coming out of all of this, where people have been isolated for so long to start things like that. I think, David, you, you, you talked about this study you read, and it makes sense. But I think that the fault really lies on men for needing an activity to keep your relationship, yeah, to keep your friendship going. That's ridiculous. Well, and that's, and it's it, also a lot of societal expectations and norms and media expect like that. What you see in and movies not, of men not having feeling, not being able to express emotions and feelings yeah. uh, for so long deterred. Like you said, like you're saying here, Josh, like there's a, and, and Garrett, there's a, there's a, a subconscious expectation. And sometimes it is, it's, it's a conscious one. It's okay for women to be intimate as friends. They can talk and share things. Whereas... Men, it's, there's this kind of expectation of keep it surface level. Don't get, men don't uh, get that intimate with their relationships and they keep it. That's why a lot of male friendships start out of sports or out of uh, work or shared activities. And because if you're not things. doing an activity, you don't have time to talk about your feelings. You don't have, you, know, very, you, gotta, you gotta do your other thing. And I'm sure if you looked at the long scale of time, you could look at situations where today we have much more freedom to be, to have friends outside of things but like when maybe when kids were growing up in the 30s and 40s it's you didn't really have time for friends because you were working all day you were you might, maybe you got to go to school and then you came home and you went right to work uh for whatever your whatever your family needed chores and stuff and so like over time this idea of developing friends just became sort of something new and there's just there's not enough data but yeah it does it is on you after a while you once you make that realization that hey i don't have any friends you have to put it on yourself like i need to reconnect with people because i think we all need to connect with people in some way when you look at it from jason siegel's perspective in this movie sydney he is someone who his friend group has developed significant relationships with couples and he has not and he is that steadfast single person and so those relationships have changed and so for him it is a, how do I continue those kinds of relationships? Because like, he doesn't see those friends as often that he's making his phone calls to all of those people. And you hear how those relationships have changed where like certain kids think that he is creepy and everybody's trying to do their things. And he's saying, no, come back to the things that we used to do. And he is stuck in his own ways, unable to see that things have changed and that he too has to change at some point in time. You also have to take ownership of how you're projecting and presenting yourself and realize, hey, things around me are changing. I also need to look at how I am acting and, and grow along with these people who are growing if I want them around. Or I stay here in my man cave and watch everybody pass me by. Because it's, it's one thing to be single and happy and single and know, your, like know yourself, as people might say today. But... There's clearly an element that as we get dig more into Sydney through the movie, where it's more a situation where he's stunted. Like he's, he, while his other friends have, it's not even necessarily that they have moved on with couples and stuff, but they have grown up in their responsibilities toward with other things. And he's stuck in this sort of shiftless role where he might be a good, he might be good at his job 
and he might be a good friend to have, but he doesn't challenge himself anymore. He's stuck gripping off of free open houses and stuff. It's that's kind of the difference there is if he it's okay to it's not saying it's not saying, oh, you have to be in a relationship to mature, but you have to find a way to continue maturing. Otherwise, it is going to be hard for people who have all these responsibilities to shirk them just just trying to make up a a thesis in the on the fly here Mm -hmm. yeah i I think the movie could have easily taken a a turn that would have bothered me with sydney and that would be having the lesson for him be to go along with what societal pressure says to do i i would have not liked it as much if his lesson was to be you gotta go find a wife that's such old thinking and it doesn't matter that's not what he needs to do i I don't even know what he needs to do really he just needs to grow up a little bit at some point there's nothing wrong with having your man cave and your whole situation but he is like overtly flaunting of it and perhaps you rein that in a little bit and grow along with certain things you can be your expressive self without being gross and he was gross it's like the jungle book he's hey life life gives you the things and you just take them and shift any of society's responsibilities and stuff like he's very he's a bum for lack of a better word give anything is just taking responsibility having a bit more pride in his work maybe because he says he's an investor i don't know we ever see him do anything in terms of that really in the movie other than buy billboards no Um, no, but they're a good balance for one another because peter doesn't have that assertive side and he finds that through that friendship with sydney and sydney does need to be grown he needs to be brought you know it's just it's just the odd couple isn't it Mm -hmm. a little bit it's just the odd couple yeah but sydney is a lot better than uh oscar yeah in a lot of ways he's at least more a little bit more likable than oscar oh so much more so much charm (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's definitely interesting because it's gonna depend on how just how any individual audience member feels because Sydney doesn't really change in the end. He doesn't have this big changing moment. He's still the same old guy at the end. Mm-hmm. They just learn to accept him for who he is. And he learns to accept his new friends for who they are, I think. Yeah. Uh, which is good because it would be like if people had to change to be their friends. No, the movie sort of ends before, like it ends abruptly, really, right at the, right after the, after, after the title drop. And it's, he doesn't necessarily have to change, but he does learn that he made a mistake. In exactly. Own. That's what I'm saying. He, he's learning to how to deal, like, not how to deal with, but how to like work with other people because telling Peter's whole family about Peter and Rashida Jones's bedroom secrets, maybe not the right way to tell that. Uh, and he learns that throughout the movie without having to change who he is. And that's what uh, makes it cool. It is. I there was only one real like story complaint that I had, and it's that I thought eventually Rashida, who pushed this on him, or not Rashida, but Zoe, the character, pushed on him this idea a little bit. If he doesn't have any friends, and maybe he should try to make some, right? And then of course she ends up becoming somewhat insecure, intimidated, whatever you want to say about their friendship. And I thought that the sticking point, which was how they were acting, ditching a date to hang out with him, and this uh, situation of asking why they're getting married. I thought that was like, honestly, it's the borrowing $8,000 when you're trying to pay for a wedding that I was like, that would be the big one. That would be that, that you is actually big, in trouble. Big dumb mistake. That didn't really seem like her focus. And so I was kind of like, oh. but when he, it, it doesn't really matter in the long run. But I was, that was a weird point for me. I was like, the eight, the eight grand, that's a big deal. Yeah. And I like how they handle the relationship dynamics too, because when friction starts to exist between when Peter feels like Sydney is pulling him one way and why can I never remember Rashida's name? 
Zoe's pulling him the other way. The reactions are all pretty reasonable. They're not over the top. They're like leveled and they're what they probably should be. They have a little, Zoe and Peter have a uh, moment where they have an argument that they can't solve. And it leads to them having to like take a step back for a few days. But it's also resolved level-headed. It's all, they all handle it reasonably and no one is like a bad guy in the movie. Mm -hmm. No one is wrong for what they did. They just make mistakes that are then easily remedied as they should be. And it's always good when you're, you're in a real sort of loving, caring relationship when there's a willingness to accept apologies. Sometimes you get in a situation where they just like, no, you really need to make this up to me. And a good relationship isn't about making things up necessarily. It's about being honest and about saying, apologizing, and the person on the other side being willing to, you know, accept that apology. Yep. All right. We are reaching uh, the end of our show. So let's wrap, let's go ahead and wrap this up real quick because uh, yep. otherwise we could talk philosophy of, uh, of interpersonal relationships all day. Oh yeah. That's the best part about this particular run that we've done. Let's, I'll, I'll give you a brief box office rundown. So this movie opened March 20th of 09. Jeff, just after my 19th, just before Josh's. Hey, Garrett was, Garrett was long 19 by this point. And it opened to the, in the number two spot. With 17.8 million. Never quite reached number one, according to what I'm looking at here. It uh, opened against Nick Cage's Knowing. You remember this movie? Oh, I do remember that. Yes, I do. They have a melting planet yeah. poster. Yeah, it sucked. Yeah, it was like a premonition movie. And then, like I said, that's opened to 24 million. I Love You Man was in the number two spot. Duplicity, starring uh, uh, Julia Roberts and Clive Owen, I believe, was in number three. At number three, with 13.9. Number four, Race to Witch Mountain, the infamous meme, The Rock looking back in the back seat. And then number five, in its third week, you had Watchmen. We were just in 09, and uh, I Love You Man for the whole year of 2009 finished in the number 47 spot with 71.4 million. That's a full nine spots ahead of Ghosts of Girlfriends Past, which finished at number 58 that year. So we were just in 09. Go watch Ghosts of Girlfriends Past because we talked about that one too. I'm glad I suggested that one because I think we covered it all this month. We had bad-ish, good-ish, and uh, classic-ish. I won't go through 09. It's Avatar. You all know that. Yeah. Avatar is the number one movie of 2009. So there you go. Yeah. That's it um, for the box office stats. So letterboxed we go. Okay. We'll start off with just a few reviews here. See what the temperature is. We've got the most popular review on Letterboxd is a four-star review. That says, this is the gayest straight movie I've ever seen. We've got Jason Siegel was just the manic pixie dream bro. Awkward phone calls are my own personal brand of horror movie. That's a three hour yeah. review. Yes, that's true. And this four star review just says, Tubin. Yep. And then some, a few negative reviews to keep it fair. Painful. Siegel always gets cast as an eccentric, self-righteous bro who plays by his own rules. And it's always hard to watch. A strangely executed fever dream. Half star. And yes, one of the peak Eurogenics person and you're getting old movies. <laughs> there you go. So with those reviews in mind, what do we think the community thought? Where does it uh, average out at? I'm going to guess, I'm going to guess that it averages out at 3.3. Oh man, that's what I was going to say, David. We know what? Three. I haven't seen it yet, so I'm going to guess two. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to split it and go... 3.1. That really won't do me any good, but let's see here. The average review on I Love You Man is 
Oh boy. We got a dead ringer here. We got a hole in one. We got a swoosh with David. 3.3. Perfect 3.3 uh, on Letterboxd. That's exciting. It is exciting. That puts me in the lead. All right. Well, before we peace out, what do we rate them? I'm going to give it a three and a half. Yep. Same here. It totes my goats every time. Three and a half. I will also give it a three and a half. So there you go. We don't even have to- I haven't looked in yeah. terms of the production. It felt like a lot of the, a lot of the humor was improv. What uh, surprised me? A lot of improv movies. And a lot of times improv movies are really fun in the moment when you're having it. But a lot of times it can lead to there not being that sense of like completeness in this i think in the dialogue like you can't like you can set up good long-term jokes when you've written ahead so sometimes so it is funny it wasn't as funny as i thought i imagine some of some of the weird things paul rudd says those might be improv i would bet it i can imagine it's hard to write uh laters on the minjay yeah just exactly exactly and and i know it's not a jason siegel project if his andre the giant impression doesn't go somewhere there you go you know all right i don't want us to get cut off wrap this up we'll be back Next week with more movies outside of rom-com for once. So find us online at sequels.com and be sure to subscribe. We'll see you next time. Jobin.